Y'all hear him? All right, so 7 o'clock, welcome to Position of Neutrality, welcome to New Freedom. How many of you here for the first time tonight? Oh, good, a whole bunch of you. That's really good. So uh, what we do here may be a little different, but we always start with a little prayer and Chaplain Lee's in the house. Come on, everybody, stand to your feet all over the room. Ah, this looks good. We welcome all those that are here for your first time. Remind you that this is a day with you in mind. So let's petition the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you again today for everything you've done, everything you're doing, but most of all for what you're about to do. That in the lives of these who have come tonight and those that are on their way. We give you the praise, glory, and honor for who you are, and we just ask you to come in and have your way. Speak to the hearts and the minds of these, your people. Endow them with your power so that they walk out of here victorious. As we prepare to do a marathon through five, six, and seven, we believe, God, that lives will be changed, transformed, and never the same again. Because anything that we give to you, we know it is is finished. So we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in advance for what you're about to do, and we ask you to use your manservant as he speaks life in this atmosphere. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone say amen. Thank you, chap. Um, so for those of you that haven't been here before, we do the same thing we've been doing for lots of years. We just take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week, directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, yes? So, so my role here is simply to show you how I find my experience in the book and encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. Fair enough? How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that does happen? Good deal. Thank you. So by the show of hands, those of you online that can't see them and those of you in the room that don't know what we're talking about, they show their hands to say in this room, when we talk about a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking about a sensory experience. You will feel it. And when you do, I'll know and I'll call it to your attention because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without a demonstration. That's another little thing we do. Every time I say God, you say, that's really cool. So the other thing is most recently we get a delay, but, but all of these sessions are now being sent to all the prison yards in the state of Arizona in the ADCRR system. So we like, we like to get a shout out to all the men and women that we left behind and hopefully let them know that we've made a place for them when they're ready to come. Yeah, so one more time because they can't hear you in Kingman. Perfect. We also stream to Maricopa County Jail System. So we'd like everybody to know that we have prepared a place for them and that we're thinking of them, yeah? yeah. So tonight, like Chap said, we're going to take a look at steps 
5, 6, and 7, and that is in your book, chapter 6, on page 72, if you're following along. And if you're not following along, that's fine too. But I would warn you, it's very dangerous to let someone else read your book for you. Because when you do that, you give them the power to think for you. Because sometimes people will say stuff that just isn't there. <laughs> and I didn't get to this fellowship because I wasn't prone to a little persuasion myself. All right, so into action. It says, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? So in this book, when they have a question mark, they want us to go inward because eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. So how many of you have come to the fellowships of recovery and got far enough along in your decision, enacting your decision that you've made a personal inventory and then weren't sure what to do with it? How many of you met someone that helped you with that personal inventory and they sort of guided you in what you're going to do with it? Okay. So it says, we've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. To those of you that are just embarking on this journey, do you know that's what we're trying to do? Trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator. The original fellowship, half of them were atheists or agnostics. So somewhere between their admission of powerlessness and this phase, they've had a, a bit of a stirring within them, and they're, they've had this power pointed out to them, and now they're realizing that this creator that people are talking about is a power found within. Are, are some of you with me? Okay. So it does have a sensory signature, doesn't it? Okay. So the reason I might want a new relationship with my creator is what you learn as you're fully in this walk, this manner of living, is that the world has no power to cause how I think and feel. It simply reflects how I'm thinking and feeling. You don't have to believe me. You just keep walking it out and you'll learn that, right? Because so, the main problem centers in the mind and... Solutions found deep within, so neither the problem nor solution outside of me, according to these guys, and that's been my experience too. So, most of us do not get to fellowships like this on a winning streak. Is that a fair statement? So, what we learn is if I'm having a tough time in creation, I want to check in with creator. Therefore, I want a new relationship with creator. Does that make sense? Regardless of theology, regardless of belief system, something needs to change because it's been a little rough. Okay. And then it says, and to discover the obstacles in our path. How many of you would like to discover the obstacles in your path? How many of you have been in a loop before? No, it's harmful. Not doing that again. Perhaps I overreacted. Oh, shit. Okay, so it says we've admitted certain defects and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We've put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. I want to point out too, if you're new to being shown how to read this book, is the we they're talking about is who? First the first 100. It's no one we're sitting around today. 
So what the, that's the why we want to spend our time aligning our experience to theirs. Does it make sense? Yeah. So did you know that we were trying to discover, discover the obstacles in our path, and did we, in a fourth-step experience, sort of take a look at those obstacles? Did you find out that it wasn't something outside of you, that it was hopelessness, guilt, shame, remorse, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear? Did any of you have those discoveries? Okay. So we've got our finger on them. Now what? Okay. So it says now these are about to be cast out. That's an interesting way to phrase that, isn't it? I'd better start coming to believe in a power greater than me because it doesn't imply that I'm going to cast them out. It says they're going to be cast out. And then it says this requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we have admitted to God. Where do we find God? Deep down inside. And how do we find him? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. So this process, I've just completed this searching and fearless moral inventory. And so in that process of getting this inventory, seeing these manifestations of self, I have admitted to God these defects, yes? And then it says to ourselves, how many of you admitted it to God, but not to yourself? Well, I think it's an illusion that we do that, to your point, Sean. But I think that I have earnestly prayed and then didn't own the condition in which I found myself and I got similar results over and over. Anyone else? Okay. And then to another human being. I think maybe the reason there's another human being is to eliminate that part I just talked about. Now I have accountability. Somehow it makes it real when I let someone know what it is I'm getting ready to go do. Yeah? All right, so, so then it says, it says the exact nature of our defects, which I would have discovered in the fourth step inventory. Yes? Yep. So this brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. So the preceding chapter was entitled How It Works. And they told us what the process was. And now they're telling me, put that process into action, walk it out. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says right away, this is perhaps difficult. Especially discussing our defects with another person. So how many of you took a look at the steps on the wall, saw that you were going to have to share it in five, and just never made a decision? It's pretty common because that's, which means that I never encountered power to go inward, yes? I mean, the purpose of the steps being in order is I'm going to need an encounter with power in order to search fearlessly because fearless doesn't mean without fear, it means in spite of the fear. Yes? Okay. So we think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. How many of you have done that? What did you discover? Did you admit things to yourself and then go learn the lesson over and over and over? Well, what they said is there's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. 
So now, the reason I call all this step-by-step to your awareness is they're writing down all the mistakes they made and all the redemption they experienced. And so if you find yourself on the path, I've tried to do it myself, and then I lie to me, and I don't even know I'm lying to me, and then I end up in a pickle. And now I'm right on the path, right? I'm right where I'm supposed to be. All right, so it says we'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. Is that true for you? Show me, don't tell me, right? They said the book to show others precisely how we recovered. I need to be able to paint you a picture and call to your attention the experience so that we're on the same page. Because when they write down the description of an experience, it's quite easy to read past it and not know they're talking about something happening within you, isn't it? How many of you read this book a thousand times and didn't know it packed all this in it? Okay. Okay, the best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. So you might want to ask yourself, did you come here to overcome your addiction? Or are you just resting? How many of you came just to rest a few times? How many of you didn't think you were coming to rest, but it turned out you were here just to rest? Again, to God, to ourselves, and another human being. Okay. All right. So time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. Any of you done that? Sort of went through the process, but held something back? How many of you can think of right now that thing you're never going to tell nobody? See the thing about it, So, because I like to take the mystery out of it. Whatever it is that you did that you were so afraid that anyone else finds out, number one, if it has a name, you didn't invent it. <laughs> and number two, God will heal you when you put it to purpose to help somebody else. So you'll have to, who felt that? So that one thing you're never going to tell, that is the healing you need. And it's only going to come when you use that experience and that experience of being lifted from it to share with another. And I'm seeing Carrie Ann cry so she knows she's gotten lots of healing doing this very thing because she pours into people every day. Okay. So, well, you know, you got to do that to Carrie Ann. She's going to sit there crying. We're going to call it to everyone. <laughs> So it says, almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. So how many of you had that experience? Did anyone ever point out to you there is no rest of the program? That's a little factoid we forget to point out to people. It's a manner of living. If you're sucking air, you're in, right? So if I have a breath in my lungs, I have decided that I would use it to advocate for my brothers and sisters. That was the commitment I made in three. So there's no rest of the program. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. That whole thing I told you before that had Carrie Ann emotional is that's the thing we need you to understand. Until you put to purpose that worst thing you think there is about yourself that is standing in the way of your identity, who you are and whose you are, you will never experience the freedom that's designed for you within this process. Amen. 
Does that make sense? So it's not a rule. It's just, do I want to get free or don't I? And how free do I want to be? I want to be free. Yes? Okay. So it says they took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. The word thoughts in italics. Why do you imagine they did that? Yeah, it's important. They wanted to give it emphasis. It wasn't easy to do that, change the font like that at the time this book was published. So you, when you think about that, they needed us to... The main problem centers where? Any of you like me ever found yourself lying to yourself and didn't even know you were lying to yourself? People cannot, even if we write books on it and sell them to people about how to do this, in fact, you cannot think or act your way into a state of being. You can only be in a state of being. So when I think myself humble, there went my humility. Are you with me? So it's going to take action on my part. I'm going to have to use it, which means getting armed and growing in consciousness. Yes? Okay. So it says they had only thought they'd humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. All's in italics. Why do you think they did that? How many of you thought your life was ended when you had to get off drugs and alcohol? How many of you found out you didn't start living until you stopped dying? So there's a story to tell, <laughs> right? Okay. That's the point. We've got to help encourage people. Until you put to purpose all that that you don't like about yourself, you're never going to know how loved you are. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. They're talking about the war within. How many of you can relate to the war within? I want to be thought of this way, but I know I'm not that way. It can be very... Binding, can it? It's sensory, isn't it? I can feel you guys. Some of you went high and then back low, right? Feel that's, that's that power moving in you. That isn't happening up here. I mean, it's happening up here, but it's happening in here. Because chap commanded it. <laughs> he, they think I'm kidding, chap. Um, so the inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. How many of you can relate to sprees? Some of them were epic, right? I mean, you don't get here unless you had some pretty good sprees. I mean, here in this little place. Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. Any of you relate to vague remembrances? How long they last? <laughs> These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes he'll never see the light of day. Where's the power found? Where I'm pushing all my garbage. Any of you relate to that plan? Doesn't sound like a very good plan. 
but we all relate, right? So it says he's under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. What did the author, the doctor's opinion, opine about us if we don't get free? When we're abstinent, he said we were restless, irritable, and discontent. And what the authors are witnessing too, if I let my crap pile up on top of my source, that I will start experiencing a state of being that is in constant fear and tension. Any of you relate to that? How many of you have found you don't sit in that very long before something goes awry? We need to help people understand that too. Okay, so it says that makes for more drinking. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. How many of you have seen professional help in your journey? Oh, I should see a lot more hands here. <laughs> they may have been through glass, but you saw them. Um, we have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. How many of you, when you started seeing docs, medical or behavioral, told them the whole truth? How many of you spun it a little to get what you wanted? How many of you followed their advice as to dosage and such? <laughs> so what they said is, we've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Which is why, in 12-step recovery, we offer our lived experience and not our opinion. Because as a class, we have spent thousands of dollars for informed medical opinions, lied to get those opinions, and then ignored the results. Yes? Okay, so unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live longer happily in this world. So, you might ask yourself, do I have an expectation of living? Some of us, when we first get here, don't really care much about long, but we would like to experience a little happiness. Okay. So, if you have that expectation, then we're going to have to get free according to their witness. Does that make sense? So, it says, rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. How many of you spend a lot of time thinking about who you were going to tell. Not everyone does. I, some people like you, Sean, I was sort of the same way. I heard a guy speak, and I felt the spirit move within me, and I knew after years and years and years of recovery that obviously was not working, whatever that guy had, I, I needed to hear about it. And, and so then I spilled it pretty quick, so it wasn't a decision-making process, but I have seen people sit abstinent and miserable for years waiting for somebody to just sit with. So I, I don't want anyone to be in either of those classes, tore up from the floor up needlessly for years, or sitting there afraid to bother someone. If you understand, my manner of living demands that I serve you. So when you ask for help, you're helping me. Okay. All right, so... Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must and, of course, will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. So 
If you have a religious practice of confession, then by all means honor your practice. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. Any of us that have ever had things that needed to be protected by the confessional or by a privilege, we understand why we might, even if I don't have a particular belief, might want to share something that was particularly heavy with someone ordained. Yeah. Okay, so, so though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. We often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. So, <laughs> probably like everybody's ex-wife. But uh, what they're saying is if you have a religious practice, do your religious practice, but don't replace your AA practice with your religious practice or vice versa because you might get a different outcome. More important to me to talk to a fellowship in, in, in our house here at New Freedom, don't replace your manner of living with a fellowship. They're not the same and you will suffer. There's a program, which is the manner of living, and then there's a fellowship where we'll go share with one another our newfound freedoms. But if we've not found them, then we'll be uninformed and then we will be the people who do not understand alcoholics. How many of you have heard people say, if you get a year, I'll work with you? Well, if I could get a year, I wouldn't need you. <laughs> I can't work with you. You're not willing. You ever heard that? It's truth, but it lacks grace. The reality is willingness is divine power. Unless I give them the inspiration that somebody cares about them enough that maybe they should start caring too, why would they? With some, right? You know why we built this house? Because we wanted every one of you and everyone coming to know that somebody cares enough for you that they build a house for you And we expect it to outlive us. Okay. So if we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. So what we're trying to grow into, those of you who are starting to show others, is a closed mouth understanding friend. How many of you would have to admit you have not always been a closed mouth understanding friend? How many of you have worked with enough people that you definitely have grown into more of that? I would hope you could own that, right? I mean, we don't like to say those things about ourselves, but in fact, that's really the goal, isn't it? Okay, so, so perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person that may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand yet be unaffected. So understand what, unaffected by what? You'd have to go back to how it works, and they told us we were in a search for the truth. I'm not in a search for my truth. I'm not in a search for your truth. I'm in a search for the truth, which is found within. And I understand that your search for the truth may look different than my search 
But I do understand that that is your search. The answers for you are in you. And I'm unaffected by that truth as it unwinds. Because you may not know your divine nature before you start walking out something less than divine. Right? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we hear disturbing things about people. I'm in no position to judge, nor was I sent there to judge. But sometimes I cannot get my mind to shut off, and if that's true, I need to recuse. There's somebody else more fitting, because you can't help someone you're judging. That make sense? Okay. So the rule is that we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. And the fact is, I'm not there working your 12th step, I'm working my 12th step. So the experience there to confront my own judgments is really my awakening. So if I'm recusing myself too often, I ought to check myself. Does it make sense? Okay. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be that one is so situated there is no suitable person available. Do you think that's true in Phoenix, Arizona today? Yeah, it's those of us that have worked with a lot of people, and, and you guys know secure environments, sometimes we don't want an inventory written down, which might cause us further problems. So if you're in that situation, then that may, you know, that makes sense. And I'll tell you what, if you're bound in fear and not in concrete, that's every bit as confining. And so what we're going to try and do is walk you through it till you see the benefit, because without your buy-in, you're not going to get the outcome. You're going to have to say yes at some point. Does that make sense? So there's no sense in tricking you into it or selling you some nonsense. We've got to tell you the truth, a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. You know what the relig simple religious idea is? God lives in you. Power lives in you. And a practical program of action that will reveal that fact to you through you. But you're going to have to keep walking in that power and purpose to grow into the consciousness that you need to be a distributor of the healing that you've received. Does that make sense? All right. So if that is so, this step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it at the first opportunity. So are you ready to go once you're safe? Right now you're dealing directly with the power within you, right? So we say this because we're very anxious that we talk to the right person. It's important that he be able to keep a confidence, that he fully understand and approve what we are driving at, and he will not try and change our plan. But we must, must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. So they're asking me to be accountable to the commitment I made. If I'm just postponing because that's, what I'm doing, I'm just not following through, that's a problem on me. I'm not going to grow in that. Does that make sense? Okay. So when we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. They're telling you what that experience looks like. Because who's we? The first 100. They're telling the story of an experience they had. When they found the one, they wasted no time. Notice how back in Three, we went through the whole discussion on step two, and then 
all of a sudden, step three rings up and it says, next we launched. And all of a sudden, I'm writing something down and sharing it. Right? So the experience, how I'm going to know where I am spiritually, is am I acting in a way that indicates that I have an earnestness to grow in the spirit? And if I'm not, it's no one's business. I'm the only one that knows, me and, me and the power within me. Does it make sense? Okay. Okay, so it says we have a written inventory and we're pre prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we're engaged upon a life and death errand. So they wrote that because there wasn't big fellowships and they thought people could read this book and recover on their own. They thought maybe the church would help. What they discovered is the same reason we built this place. Lived experience matters. So we who come from this community know this lived experience and we can hear all the difficulty you're having and the confusion you're having, but we can describe that redemption to you in a way that makes sense. And we can understand what you're saying and how someone can get in some of the strange places we find ourselves because that's just kind of what we do. Right? Okay. So what we need for everyone to understand is that God saved all of you so you could help the next several thousand that he wants to release. And our whole model here is built on it. Okay. So most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. Don't not ask somebody because you don't want to bother them or you think they're too busy. It is an honor to help you prepare your testimony. Does that make sense? So it says, we pocket our pride and go to it. They're painting a picture. How many of you had great fear around telling people certain things about yourself? So they're painting a mental picture of... They're not suggesting this is going to be easy. That's why I need a power greater than me. It's called desperation. It's called desire. It's called any number of things until I'm fully walking it out. Yes? Okay. So it says illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. They used interesting words, didn't they? Every twist of character. Every dark cranny of the past. How many of you read that and think they meant you had to write the perfect inventory, therefore you were on your inventory for seven and a half years? That's not what they meant. But I, I get that because we have a little perfectionist in us too, don't we? Yeah. Whatever it is that's coming to mind, that's what the Spirit wants you to know right now. So you need to get it out. And if you're holding something back because you don't think it's important, well, if it's not important, why are you holding it back? Does it make sense? It says, once this, we have taken this step with holding nothing... We are delighted. So there was a promise and condition. What was the promise? We are delighted. And what was the condition? We've taken this step withholding nothing. How many of you did a fourth step and a fifth step and you held a little something, something back? How many of you were doing it with somebody who knew you were holding a little something, something back? <laughs> Do you ever wonder why? Y'all know why? Because if we're in the spirit and you're holding something back, you're holding my hit. 
I'm waiting on your freedom to give me a little bump. <laughs> Who's done a fist step with somebody? Who knows what I'm talking about? I can feel you feeling me, so you know what I'm talking about. We, when you get your freedom, we get a hit too. <laughs> Let me tell you something about me. I've always known when someone was holding back. That's why we know. Cough it up. I don't know exactly what you're holding back, but you were holding my hit. Now, brother, you got to kick it out. (laughs) Okay. So it says, we can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. See how they're describing a state of being now? How many of you had to avert your gaze in certain places and found out you could walk a little taller? You could look at people when they spoke to you, even people that you knew thought less of you. Any of you started to have those promises come? Yeah. yeah, because you're coming into your identity. You know who you are and whose you are. And when you know who you are and whose you are, it doesn't matter so much what people think. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says our fears fall from us, and we begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. Guys, you should be feeling that all over. That's oftentimes the very first real spiritual experience we have as we go through this we start to feel that flow of the spirit we start to feel that I I was so sick I couldn't write my own inventory so the guy had to write it for me and and he didn't have the same vocabulary I had so I had to spell it all for him too but I was so dead in the spirit that he was calling to my attention the life within me and I had to believe him for it until sometime later any of you know what I'm talking about? But I, I was willing to believe that someone cared enough about me that they wouldn't lie to me in that moment because there was no percentage in it for them. So I walked it out. Okay. So then it says we have, may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. So they always want to call to our attention the reality of the experience. They've told us none of us can fully define or comprehend that power which is God. But they said he has a signature of power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. And by this stage, you should start feeling it. Some of you are feeling it in here tonight, right? Okay. So it says the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel that we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. So they're painting a picture. How many of you always had to do it perfect or what's the use? Threw in the towel a hundred times. Now they're painting a picture of a broad highway, hand in hand. Spirit's with me. This isn't an absent spirit. The spirit's with me. Yes? It isn't going to be the same because I'm not the same. Does that make sense? If you made it here, you're not the same. (laughs) You won't, won't leave here the same. Okay. So returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. That's pretty specific, isn't it? Carefully reviewing what we've done. So what have we done that I'm carefully reviewing? Yeah, I've gone through this searching and fearless moral inventory of me. I've listed all the suffering I've endured and what my part in all of that was. And hopefully I have some clarity on how myself manifests in that continuous defeat had perhaps a solution if I followed the rest of the instructions. Yes? Does that make sense? 
Okay? So then they start right away. You know why we start this meeting with a prayer? Because any time we're going to do revelation, you start with prayer. We, we ask for that revelation to come into the room. It says, we thank God from the bottom. <laughs> we thank power from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Now see, God in 12, in 12 step recovery is the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. Very different, right? I'm looking inward, I'm not looking out here, I'm not looking up there. I'm looking for power, peace, happiness, sense of direction from within, and that power has a signature. So when I know that, I definitely know him better. Does that make sense? Who's feeling that? I'm Someone in the room is getting lit here. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Then it says, taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. So we're going to do that in a minute. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything, for we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. And then there's a question, is our work solid so far? So in this hour that I'm sitting there, these are the questions I'm asking myself. Is my work solid so far, or did I hold something back? Do I need to add something? Did I spin this a little bit? Does that make sense? How many of you spun it a little bit? And it says, are the stones properly in place? What stones have they talked about? They really talk about a cornerstone, and that cornerstone is willingness. Yes? Yeah. Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? At this point, I, I may be lacking commitment. Right? That would be skimping on the cement. Okay. Have we tried to make mortar without sand? Do I want to be a rock star before I'm just a competent servant? It happens to all of us, right? Okay, so we got to go to the page which contains the 12 steps. So we're going to go to 59. I usually say 58 just to make sure Sean's still awake. So page 59, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. So I'm reviewing and I'm getting, getting right. And it says we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, dash. So powerless when? Yeah, if I'm understanding now the nature of this disorder, I'm powerless once I take a drink because that phenomenon of craving that develops. But what I learned through the process is I'm powerless before I drink because the insanity precedes the drink or the drug. Does that make sense? So in fact, I'm powerless all the time because I'm always seeking ease and comfort and I'm a Habitual ease and comfort seeker. Then it says, dash, that our lives have become unmanageable. They didn't talk to me about the unmanageability of my life until I was in the step two encounter. And I think they did it on purpose because they wanted me to move forward in just a mustard seed of faith. So I copped to something I didn't fully understand in order to receive the encounter I was walking into. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You want to go back to that? Page 52, briefly. 
52 says, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. Any of you have difficulty interacting with others? We couldn't control our emotional natures. Anybody? I should see a lot more hands. We were prey to misery and depression. You know, the thing I want people to understand is if we don't help them understand this, that's the condition I'm trying to medicate. Alcohol wasn't my main problem. Alcohol was a solution to all that unmanageability. And that unmanageability was within me, and I had no choice. I could not live in this realm with this mind in an unmedicated state. Anyone relate to me? So... When I encountered a man who had encountered a man, he pointed out to me that if we're fully in service, we don't live abstinent in 12-step recovery. Because the more we serve, we experience a little condition called spiritual inebriation. Any of you know what I'm talking about? You ever wonder why the people that work around here walk around smiling all the time? Because we are inebriated in the spirit. All right, so we had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. Couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Right? Okay. So that's the unmanageability I'm copping to. Are we all good with that? All right, if we're good with that, then we got to get back to 59. And it says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So you may not have the profound revelatory experience that Bill speaks out speaks of, but it says we came to believe, which implies a process, doesn't it? So what I need to do is have this encounter in this coming to believe. They've never asked us to believe in anything we haven't first experienced. That's why the authors in there talk about this theory of electrical, or you know, our belief in electrical theory. None of us fully understand or define this electrical theory, but we've all experienced its effects, yes? If you haven't experienced the effects of electrical theory, stick something metal in one of the sockets, <laughs> which most of you lit your cigarettes with. <laughs> so we know. So the same thing, we don't, we, we don't tell people that we're talking about an experience and then we don't call to their attention the experience when we're sitting with them and we gotta remember just because that spirit of life is vibrant in me and in some people I encounter. Some people have been in a walking death for a while. It takes them a minute to come in. So we walk out this process of coming to believe based on an experience that's ongoing. Yes? Okay. And it says it could restore us to sanity. So what would insanity be? That's true. That's an outward manifestation. The authors define it in a number of ways, but Bill says it's an appalling lack of perspective. The inability to control my emotional nature, those types of things, right? Different things he, he talks about. Any of you ever had those experiences where you just couldn't get out of the loop? I know that being miserable is not a good place for me to be, but I cannot get out of it, and fuck them. So that was the insanity, that appalling lack of perspective. So my growing perspective 
of my new role as the spearhead of God's ever-advancing creation, the hands and feet of God. And as I, as I grow in that and I become a distributor of that power, then all of a sudden all those things that were troubling me, I couldn't seem to be of real help. I feel like I'm being of real help and I'm not having to do anything because the power in me does it. Does that make sense? Right? You guys know how we got here, right? We had some people come up to Denise and I after a recovery meeting and want to give us a church. We couldn't license the church for anything. So we owned a church. Karen knows. She's sitting back here. We tried everything to license that church. We were going to put 20 men and women in this church. We moved furniture in, started doing all kinds of stuff. Couldn't get it done. Then somebody else introduced us to someone else. And we pitched our idea to them, walked into them and said, hey, man, what we want to do is we want to do all these services under one roof. We want to bring yeah, 400 freshly released men and women directly from prison right to here in the middle of Phoenix. What could possibly go wrong? But luckily, God arranged a pandemic. See, you couldn't have done this in any other condition. But we needed seven variances to open this place. And we got all seven because no one showed up at the zoning hearing but us and the officer. You can't make this stuff up. And so... Here you sit, and those of you that come from the outside, whether you know or not, for years and years and years, at least 13 years of stats, the state of Arizona has hovered around 50% recidivism. If you found your way here and you graduate, we only have about a 5% recidivism rate. 95. And that's because of you and the atmosphere you create and the power that manifests all this. So, then it says, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him, understood him, sorry. And what I want to do is, over the years, people said this is the God of my understanding. That is, that is not what they said. I don't know why we started saying that, but remember that sand that we need in the mortar, that's a little deception that gets people lost. The God they understood was the subject of their experience, not the object of their belief. The God they understood was an experience. The clean wind of a mountaintop blowing through and through. I stood in the presence of infinite power and love. That's what they said. That's what they understood. Does that make sense? So I tell you this not as a legalist, but as someone who desperately wants men and women to get free. And you're not going to get free without the power who frees. So we got to, it isn't an understanding. That as we understood them, even the understanding I grow in isn't of me. It flows through me. It's divine understanding. Because I found purpose for all the crappy things I did. I found purpose for all the crappy things that people did to me. I found things that used to drive me don't interest me anymore. And that had to happen because I'd have never stopped. I'm not a quitter. 
So then it says, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So that's where we got to. And then in five says, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Yeah. So if we've done all of that, then we're ready to go back to page 76. And page 76 says, if we can answer to our satisfaction, you're the only one who knows. Can you answer to your satisfaction that you haven't shaded or deflected? If you've just owned what happened, right? And I'm not talking about just the gnarly stuff, but the encounter you just came through. If you'll own that and be honest about the experience, power, peace, happiness, some kind of revelation, some spark of life, some bit of hope, if you'll just own that, then you're getting ready. Does that make sense? So it says we've emphasized willingness as being indispensable. They're going to talk to us about this elusive thing called willingness. Are we now ready to let God remove from... Remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable. So there's a readiness to have it removed, and then there's a walking out of its removal. And the reason I'm going to say this prayer at the end and get an amen at the end of it is I'm going to need agreement because I'm going to need power to walk this out. Does it make sense? The third step prayer long ago, someone put an amen at the end of it, and I think they, <laughs> you know, we're drunks. So we make shit up. But... <laughs> There's no amen at the end of that prayer. You know why? Because it's only half the story. That was just a decision to get my eyes open. Now my eyes are open. Now I know what I got to go do. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, can he now take them all, every one? So again, check yourself. How many of you got to this point and he could have some, but not all? Most of us. There's stuff we're ready to do, right? They wrote the whole book around it, right? They, they write a, a chapter to the wives, to the family, to the employer. We're gonna, I'm not ready to go make amends to somebody I stole a bunch of stuff for, get from, because I don't have the money to pay them, and I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to go to jail, or I'm going to do whatever, but I'm willing maybe if I've got a loved one to try and start mending those fences, right? And then growing in the spirit. Does it make sense? Okay. So then it says... If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. So we ask power to help us be willing, and, and that request then manifests into willingness I did not previously possess. Any of you had that experience? Most of you that find yourself here, there was a time when this wouldn't have sounded too exciting. Yes? So some willingness came into you somewhere that although in you and through you, probably wasn't of you. Yes? Okay. So then we're going to get through this prayer and then we'll wrap up. It says, when ready, we say something like this. Remember with all prayers in this book, if you don't like the wording, you can write anything you want, say anything you want, as long as it picks up the principles and makes sense to you. Does that make sense? They always caution us. Because saying a prayer that means nothing to you, God doesn't care about prayers you don't care about. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, my creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. How many of you have discovered there was a little bit of good in you and from time to time, a little bit of bad in you? 
okay? We, it's so important as we get ready to embark on this manner of living that I've owned my condition, good and bad, and that I've presented myself to this power, and yet, right where I am, he met me. Some of you are feeling that. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. 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 Now you see when you look at the gravity of that, you understand why I need agreement there and not three, right? Because that, this is the back end. Half the prayer in three, that's the rest of it. Now, now there's work to do. I'm going to have to get ready. Okay, so then it says we have then completed step seven. So you should feel a little freer and perhaps a little trepidation about what you have to walk through. But I emphatically assure you, if you feel both of those things, you are on your way. Thank you very much. Next we will look at...